every time I think of you, it always turns out good. Every time I've held you, I thought you understood. People say a love like ours will surely pass, but I know a love like ours will last and last. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Hustle, it's John Lamoureux. Okay, this week we get to hear from Tony Brock. Tony was the drummer for the great British rock band, The Babies. So, The Babies put out five albums between 1976 and 1980. And they had a few hits. Their biggest one is probably this one right here, Every Time I Think of You, which reached number 13 in the States in 1978. Now, I always think of The Babies, fortunately or unfortunately, more for the people who came out of the babies. Um, their lead singer was John Waite. Their keyboardist for a while was Jonathan Kane, who went on to join uh, Journey. Ricky Phillips was their bass player for a while. He much later went on to join Styx. So the band breaks up in 1981. John goes solo. Jonathan uh, joins Journey. And Tony goes on to be Rod Stewart's drummer for like a decade. So we hear in this interview all about working with Rod, which is great. Rod's the man. And then uh, during this time, he also did a lot of work with Jimmy Barnes. I love Jimmy Barnes. So eventually the band gets back together. Uh, Tony kind of reforms the people who are still there. They get a new lead singer and the babies are now a touring entity again. They actually put out a new album in 2014 called I'll Have Some of That, which is great. And uh, so we hear some of these stories. We hear about John Waite's feelings about rejoining the babies. It's sad, unfortunately. We hear about whether Tony was kind of bummed not to be invited to join Bad English in 1990. Um, now, believe, actually, you can believe this. I sought Tony out. I came to this interview through, a cor of course, a song from an 80s movie soundtrack that I love. So we kick off the interview talking about that. Uh, Tony's a really nice guy. He called me from his home in Atlanta. So I mentioned that there you have some side projects that I'm especially fascinated with. I want to talk about the babies, but the main <laughs> the main motivator for me calling you is that uh, so my regular listeners know I have quite an obsession with movie soundtracks, especially '80s movie soundtracks. Yeah, and I love. Some songs on the move from the movie Just One of the Guys, and I forever and ever I've noticed that they are by Brock and Davis, and I think I've never heard of Brock and Davis. I don't know if that's a band. I don't know what that is. And the <laughs> other day I thought I I gotta figure out who Brock and Davis are. I want to know, you know, how I can learn more about that these songs and what what this band is. 
And so I start doing some clicking, and I realize it's you. And I thought yeah. that Brock is the same Brock from the babies. I didn't realize that. So we'll get to the babies in a minute, but tell me about Brock and Davis and how you got to be on the Just One of the Guys soundtrack. <laughs> That's a good question. Well, basically, we got asked to join, uh, asked to be, uh, to, to write some songs for, for Just One of the Guys. Jay Davis was a bass player in what when I was with Rod Stewart. Mm-hmm. And, Rod, and Jay and I wrote a couple of hits for, for Rod, which luckily became a couple of hits. And, uh, mm-hmm. Like uh, Baby Jane, uh, Jay wrote, but I helped him arrange it. And then several, you know, a, a couple yeah. of luckily. luckily I'm going to ask you about more of those here in just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So we basically, uh, they they needed a band, you know, for the dance scene in, uh, mm-hmm. in Just One of the Guys. So we we figured, well, why not? Let's just let's put a band together and play the songs we wrote for it. And, um, and they they... They set us up and thought it was a great idea, and uh, we had a lot of fun doing it. You know, it was. Wow. It's not a really exciting story, except that we got to do it, and it was fun for us to get a, a chance to do, you know, like a, a little movie like that. You know. Yeah. And uh, we enjoyed writing the tracks, and uh, it, was, it was different from what our, our normal stuff. So, so you heard then that they were filming a movie, and they needed. Songs for the soundtrack, and you and Jay got together and said, "Well, let's write some songs." It, I mean, it sounds like that's what it is. Did you know you were already going to be on the soundtrack when they selected you to play at the dance, or did they oh, yeah, happen in tandem? How did yeah. that work? Yeah, they were our songs. So when we okay. and then when right. we so we knew they were using the, the tracks, and so it was perfect for us to um, be the band and uh, and just. Uh, play to the tracks and yeah you know and uh we just had a lot of fun and a lot of uh okay. silly goings on and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we had a good laugh doing it and we did it okay. in Arizona so it was, it was all good you know yeah now were you and Jay when you got together to write these songs was the intention for you to start a new band and maybe venture out and do more of these kinds of things or was it just a one-off thing for the movie yeah, we didn't we didn't know what what it was. I mean, it was basically just a, it was a, it was a project that we were we were doing for uh, someone for a, a friend of ours, and uh, we loved doing it. And um, that's what it broke off into into doing some movie stuff. And we were all being asked to go in in different uh, directions, and uh, we, we didn't know what was happening with it. It was one of those loose things. Okay. You know, and uh, I was. I just love being in my studio, and yeah. at that time I knew I was going to be producing um, a lot of things because that's where my career was taking me, and okay. I just had to do it, you know. And um, one of it's one of the early things of, that I did as, yeah. as a producer. Okay. So, oh, so you produced those two songs too, "Hard yeah. Way" and "Burning." We should say, yeah. what they're called. Yeah.
had a lot of fun, and then you know we ended up uh, uh, going uh, mixing it down at Record Plant in LA, and uh, where we lived, and it was uh-huh. it was all good. Good. Can you remember any specific stories or moments or anything relating to when you actually filmed yourselves in the movie? Well, we knew it was silly. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So there was a. Uh, well, we said we'd do this, so we might as well get on with it and enjoy it. So there was a little bit of drinking going on. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And plus, we mined to it, and uh, they did get... They wanted us to, pl- you know, play for them uh-huh. after, the, the, after the set had closed. Okay. And, uh, of course, we weren't even uh, mic'd up properly. We did, <laughs> The amplifiers were empty. They were just uh, props. <laughs> yeah. You know, so they didn't right. understand. They didn't understand that we couldn't uh, play for them. We were. I don't think we would have anyway. You know. Right. Um, I mean, we were, were not a top. We weren't a top forty bands. So. Right. Right. Okay. You well, know, when, that, when we watch that scene, when we watch that movie, and everyone's dancing and everything, are I know that so they're they're miming that they're dancing to your music. But if nothing is actually, you guys aren't actually playing from the stage, do you remember what is playing that everyone is dancing to? Is it still that same song? It's just coming out of loudspeakers? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, I've heard of situations where they're playing something completely different, and then the song is kind of, you know, cut in later on. But no. those guys are dancing to your music. No, we already okay. fin- I don't, I'd already finished mastering the tracks before they put them up. Okay. Yeah, and they played it. They played them back, and we mined to them, you know, because that's the uh, easiest way of doing it at that point. Otherwise, we would have uh, we'd have blown them away volume-wise. They they can't yeah. film. <laughs> they can't right. film and talk to each other the way we the way we play, you know. So yeah, yeah. And okay. uh, and I brought my buddy in, you know, um, uh, George Nardo, who's, who who uh, play guitar. He was the uh, one that they chose to be at the end of it, you know. Yeah. It was, I don't know, it was it was a strange time in my life. We were doing, you know, I was doing songs for Baywatch and Flipper, and a lot of baby songs got used in, in Baywatch, and um, uh-huh. it, it was a kind of, kind of a strange time. And um, that, that movie, even though it was kind of, I, I don't, honestly believe it was a, an incredible movie it was still mm-hmm. it was an okay movie but you know we I we we thought it was going to be something a little bit more hilarious and uh, oh really no <laughs> well, the, that, well the, that, the the script read like it was going to be a bit more bit more funny but uh, that's funny uh yeah. it's one of my favorite movies ever honestly Is i it? find it hilarious yeah i've seen it a hundred times and, uh, I mean, yeah, it's not, you know, it's not an Oscar-worthy film or anything like that, but it's so beloved and so much fun, and those 80 movie, 80s movies like that, um, even though, you know, some of them had boobs and they were trying to be sort of provocative, they came from a place, I think, of, like, innocence and naivety, and that's what makes them still sort of sweet and lovable, and I really love that movie. It, so was, I, uh, yeah, it definitely was lovable and sweet, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, good, we, good. We, had, we did have a lot of fun doing it, and uh, to this day, I still get uh, at least a couple of fan mails from it saying "love you" <laughs> in it, you know. And, uh, so, but, That's great. Uh, okay. Yeah. 
And you still get a couple pennies every time somebody buys the movie on DVD? I bought it on DVD. Yeah, not anymore. Okay. (laughs) Just curious. Oh, well, great. For better or worse, and maybe, maybe, I hope this doesn't upset you too much. I feel like sometimes, maybe this is just in the States, when people talk about the babies, it's often in relation to who came out of the babies as opposed to, like, a bunch of hits that the babies had in the States in the late 70s. You know what I mean? When yeah. people talk about the babies, it's like, oh, that's where John Waite came from, or that's where Jonathan Cain came from. But yeah. it's not always like, oh, the babies were such a great band. They had X and X hit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. when you guys, I mean, is that ever, has that ever been frustrating? Or does it, does it not even, do you even not even notice? Have you had, like, a pretty great uh, career sustained all this time you're fine with it oh well i'm fine with it i mean as you know i've put the babies back together so uh, wally and i i've I've got wally back and wally and i if if you if you take i'm not trying to be big-headed i hate that that i'm I'm not that sort of guy but wally's sound and my sound are the babies john wade is a singer and uh, Jonathan Cain and Ricky Phillips were hired hands at that when they first came in, and then we let them. Then they became full members of the band, and uh, we were a bad co, uh, a free type uh, band. I mean, we grew up. I I grew up um, in a band called Strider. Well, and I was in. Sorry, I was in a band called Spontaneous Combustion first. Which, Greg Lake produced from mm-hmm. Emerson Lake and Palmer. Sure, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. And uh, we went on the road with uh, Emerson Lake and Palmer for a year and a half, and Carl Palmer and I used to set up drum kits in the back and play. In fact, he, uh, Carl's the one who in, encouraged me to learn to read music, you know, really? which has come really, uh, really uh, advantageous now. Uh, Greg was just... A, incredible what you know what a guy and um of course we got i got to see king crimson be put together nice and watch the watch them record that and you know caught the crimson cool. king and sure with bob fripp and everybody and mm-hmm. I, whilst i was doing that then then after the spontaneous combustion we had three albums and then i it wasn't really going very far we uh, i deal with emi but then it it was just that we 
Well, it was a great band, but we didn't, mm-hmm. we, you know, it, it just didn't uh, take off. And, uh, yeah. And so I moved to London. That's when I joined the bank with Strider. Club, and that's where I got got all my uh, great training, and uh, because we we would we would always always obviously like I said I would play the Marquee Club, and that became yeah. Uh, yeah. the place to play. Free played there, Zeppelin played there, yeah. Who, and we got to warm up for all these guys, and um, that's so amazing. I know I'm a, I'm yeah. a lucky, lucky boy. Yeah, no yeah. kidding. In that era, and then you know John Bonham became my buddy, and uh, did he really? Yeah, so did and Keith Moon. You know he nice. I only met only met Keith a couple of times, but uh, uh, we met we well we met in the Marquee Club after we supported them, and uh, we went to a, a club afterwards, and uh, I was down the other end of the bar. He walked in, and there he goes, Tom. You know, just, just that's it. Oh, oh. And, and he jumped up on the bar, walked across the whole bar, and kicked everybody's drinks off. No. Jumped, jumped down, jumped down and grabbed me and said, "Ah, oh, buddy, how you doing?" You know, and I'd only met him once before. And and then, and of course, then he he turned around. He saw the whole club was about to kill him. So <laughs> yeah. he, bought, he bought everybody a round of drinks, and uh, it, it all no it, it got funnier from there. So, and it, it was just that that was incredible times. I mean, yeah, so, you were right there in the thick of it then. Oh I yeah, mean, British rock of the late '60s, early '70s, all these bands that are game changers. You know, yeah. the Who and Zeppelin and all these other bands are coming together, and you're free, and you're right there in the thick of all of it. Yeah, I was That's I was just, just loving it. I was I was still in the band uh, Strider and um, Michael Corby and the manager used to come watch me and uh, they were uh, trying to put the, a band called The Babies together or we didn't have a name for it then. Uh huh. They basically uh, 
kept hounding me to come and join the band because they wanted a John Bonham-esque sort of uh, drama, which I, mm. you know, I, I, um, that's you are. my hero. Yeah. And uh, that's my... And luck, luckily enough, you know, during the... Uh, we got to... Uh, while we were recording with the babies, we got to use Ron Neverson, who produced yeah. Led Zeppelin. And... Um, me being, knowing that I wanted to be an engineer producer as as I was going along, I was stealing everybody's uh, techniques and ideas, right. and, you know. Right. So, but Ron Neverson taught me how, how to mic up uh, a, a kit like Bonham. So. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. You so, guys worked with some legends. I mean, didn't Bob Ezrin produce your first album? Yes, he did. Yeah, I got that called. Was, I mean, he wasn't. He hadn't worked with Pink Floyd. Yet, but I think he'd done maybe some Kiss stuff by that point. But um, how did you manage to get that to happen? That was through Christmas Records. They um, oh, because he was uh, he was recording. I don't, I'm not sure. It was one of the Christmas bands at the time, and they loved his work, and um, they wanted you know. And uh, so we went. We we were on our way to way to Canada to do uh, record our first album. With mm. Bob, and um, I got a phone call from Rod Stewart saying, "Would you come and join the band?" Because he loved the babies. Uh, well, in, you know, he, I, I'd met Rod before, but um, really with the faces, you know. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I was, I was fr- friends with him then, but they uh, he called me up and uh, wanted me to join before uh, Carmine did, and uh, I said, "Wait, Rod, he you, asked you before Carmine?" Yeah. And you wouldn't do it, so Carmine did it, and then you ultimately took over for Carmine? Yeah. No way! I didn't know that! Yeah, I know. Well, well, yeah, I basically got a phone call, and I was getting on the plane to go to Canada, and we signed a record deal two days before. So what do you... For my own band, The Babies, and there I am talking to Rod Stewart, asking me if you you feel like uh, joining the band with me, you know? Because yeah. at that point it was Rod, it was a Rod Stewart group. It wasn't Rod Stewart. Oh, and okay. Band, you know, I got lucky enough to be with Rod from '81 to '91, almost '92, and yeah, we were we were the Rod Stewart group. You know, okay, and, um, okay. And uh, we wouldn't even, we wouldn't even let Rod have his own dressing room. <laughs> You know, you had, to, you had to stay with the boys. You know, you could. That was one of the rules. You never left the band, otherwise you'd be in big trouble. Okay, got it, got it. <laughs> cool. Yeah, yeah I got a million questions about Rod. But when you're so, one of the things that I like to learn about on here is the transitions in people's careers when they go from kind of a struggling musician to finally, you know, tasting some success, and how their lives change when that happens. When I don't remember, you know, I was I was young when the babies were out, and I didn't come around to them until, you know, much later in my life. I was, and so I was I was young too, you know. No, that's true. <laughs> I don't think you were three years old, but you were yes, you were a younger man back then. Oh, you but, were um, three. You yeah, were I was. Three? Yeah, I'm 45 now, so I would have been three when your first album came out. But oh. I discovered the babies once I got more into John Waite, probably. 10 or 15 years ago, probably, yeah. you know, yeah. when I went back and looked into all that old stuff. Yeah. Um, 
so I don't know. When did you, when did it start to really take off? When did you start to feel like you were having hits on the radio? What were the first hits on the radio? Um, well, we had, uh, the, the two top tens, uh, which is, isn't it time every time I think of you? Falling in love was the last thing I had on my mind Holding you is a warmth that I thought I could never find Just trying to decide Well, those I remember, yeah. But yeah. I didn't know if it was starting to take off maybe more in the U.K. versus the States, or were you noticing it kind of everywhere at once? No, we got signed in England, but we immediately got shipped off to uh, the States because we they all thought that we were a more uh, States type of an act. Oh, interesting. Huh, being, okay. Being English and uh, young and sort of, uh, we had a di- different look at that time. You know, it was a kind yeah. of... A, a, a classy band. The one thing, one thing that we were always proud of in the babies is that the musicianship was is the highest level we could get. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And um, it wasn't the band wasn't about John White. No. And, no. Uh, the band was about the, all of us and the magic. Good. Uh, you can't. You couldn't take one of us away in it because we just it wouldn't be the babies anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. You know, okay. to answer your question, we had um, when we were on our third album, Chrysalis uh, didn't feel like we had a full album, so um, I went, I went back to my apartment, and lucky enough, I, I came up with, uh, with the uh, with the riff of uh, Head First.
Then Wally came and joined me, then we put Head First together. Then we played it as a band, and then John wrote the lyrics, you know, finished the lyrics for us and did it. And that's what ended up uh, ended up uh, recording three more tracks. Yeah. Which got added to it, uh, Head First, and um, that became the title track. Yeah, and such a great song. And I think that's probably my favorite Babies album, start to finish. Oh, yeah? Head First. I think I so. Yeah, I think Broken Heart's mine. Uh, oh, really? That's a good yeah. one, too. Yeah, I go back and forth. You're right. Um, yeah. My very favorite baby song is Love Don't Prove I'm Right. That kicks off that head first album. I think that's probably where my why my heart goes there, because that's uh, I love that track so much. I don't yeah. even know. I mean, maybe I know what's that. I'm sorry. I'll say we still got it. We put we still got it in the set. So uh, oh, do you? Yes. Yeah. I love oh, I man. love playing that track and uh, good. You know, it's so good. You know, I maybe I know this and I can't remember. How did how did Jonathan Kane even get to be a part of your band? I guess you saying that you were sort of based more in the States versus the UK, even though everyone was British, that might make it a li- make a little bit more sense as to why, you know, an American like Kane would come and join you guys. But how did that even happen and why? Well, but, uh, basically, um, Michael Corby used to play uh, keys and, and guitar. So that was the four of us, and John would play bass. And so the four of us could cover the whole thing. Uh-huh. And uh, John Wake decided that uh, he was no longer uh, interested in playing bass and, and singing. We knew we had to get a bass player in. and uh, But uh, Michael Corby, unfortunately, got himself fired. Uh, Chrysalis in, insisted that we fire him, and uh, mm-hmm. we also knew that they were right because he just uh he stopped working as hard and and yeah. um he he was starting to be re- replaced on a couple of tracks and he wasn't turning up to the studio there, there was a just it was it, i don't know what happened to him and um and we used to, Wally and I used to go around to his house you know almost every night begging him to come and practice. Yeah. And, I don't know. He went off the rails, and did he have a drug problem? There's so much pressure in this business, and yeah, 
you know, things come flying your way that you just don't expect. And if you're not ready for it and your feet are not on the ground, you're, you can be in big trouble. Yeah. So, Did he have a drug problem or anything like that? Well, I don't, uh, I, I don't know if it was a problem. No know. more so than anyone else or what, you know, what everyone else is doing. He just let, uh, let everything get to him and not, mm. none of us could help him and we tried, okay. especially Wally and I. And so it was, we, we gave it such a long time and such a, we yeah. wanted to stay together, but it was, um, Chrysalis couldn't take it anymore. And, um, so, the management at that time, Adrian Miller and uh, Michael Corby, just had we had to let them go. Yeah. And so we got new management, uh, Renaissance management, who had Joni Mitchell and Neil okay. Young. Okay. We so yeah, there there you go. We that left us with uh, no bass player. Yeah. And no keyboards. Yeah. So we started the auditioning, and we had uh, people lined around the block. Wow. To come in the band and um and it just happened obviously we're in America so uh, mostly everybody that turned up was American and um yeah. luckily enough we, we chose uh Jonathan Kane and uh Good. Ricky Phillips. That's you know. crazy. Yeah. Now did Jonathan immediately I mean Jonathan now has uh written we know now that he's written some you know absolute standards basically with his time and journey and he did bring he is you know credited with some really great songs especially right off the bat like midnight rendezvous and i mean that was a hit that was a piece side just for you guys and it's such a good song know did you see the seed of what would become this guy that would you know write standards ultimately did you see that in him originally or was he just kind of a hired hand we just needed a guy and he fit the bill and was good at it well we knew he was a good songwriter um from day one okay uh, it was obvious you know we 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 would jam some of his ideas and it was fun you know so because if you change the chemistry of the band, you immediately. I was one of the catalysts in making sure that it didn't get changed too much. Because okay. Wally and I, we are like like I told you, we we're from those we're from the Zeppelin free back company yeah. days, you know, and yeah. um, 
even Wally ended up playing with Humble Pie for a little while. So the, those were our roots, and we weren't going to get those taken away from us. Otherwise, we weren't the English babies anymore. We'd be just yeah. be a hokey band, you know. Yeah. So we kind of indoctrinated uh, uh, Ricky and, and um, Jonathan, just giving them the ideas of what where the English got their that mm. like especially the drumming English drumming backbeat from, and uh, we we stole that from the Soul Americans. Yeah, yeah, group, you know, yeah, and uh, that's why English drummers get hired for that backbeat. Yeah. And uh, we we just made it ours from uh, from uh, cool. old American soul bands. And oh, um, you're a killer at it. Such a great drummer. Well, appreciate yeah, that. absolutely. So yeah, we knew we knew they were great. And Ricky's such a lovely guy. I just saw Ricky with Sticks, and nice. they were, were great friends. And um, it just worked out really well. And so now when the band changed said, a little oh, bit, you know, because of the American influence, sure. which, but I, which is like I said, we had to um, keep it down as as much as possible. No, nothing's wrong with the American influence. It was just that's not what the babies were. And yeah. so that was never uh, that was never taken away from us. And uh, okay. I think we all learned a lot from that. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. But how soon after? Oh, I'm sorry. You go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to ask you, how soon after the end of The Babies did you go immediately start working with Rod Stewart? And when John decided that he, you know, after he uh, hurt his knee, yeah. and uh, I think uh, we were on the road with Journey, uh, supporting Journey, and uh, that's how they uh, oh. they knew about Jonathan Kane. Got it. I think there was a... Uh, there was already an acknowledgement if anything was going to happen. Jonathan came was going to journey anyway. And John Waite just insisted on doing his own thing. And yeah. I, I must have made at least phone, 40 phone calls to John not to not to break the band up because just because he wanted to do his solo thing. I mean, everybody can do their solo sure. thing, but still keep the, the major band together. Yeah. You know, he didn't need to do that. And um, but uh, he wanted to be his own man, and he stuck to it. And so, yeah. Um, well, I, in fact, when I tried to put the babies back together, I called him again, and he's just not interested whatsoever. So, do you guys have? Is he? Do you have a friendly relationship? Do you ever talk to him? Yeah. Well. We, okay. We, good. Yeah, we text. You know, we don't okay. really. Uh, if we see each other out, we you know we're. we're friendly okay. and, uh, you know but we'd, we don't go out to dinner I still go yeah. out and, and you know Rod and I still go out and have a great time together oh good good you know. um, now I mean I know that I can understand I guess that he wouldn't want to rejoin the babies full time but is it has it ever come up to play just you know like a one off reunion show in like whatever club in, you, you know the marquee or whatever wherever you started maybe in London or in LA, no, you know, some kind of big spectacle kind of reunion type show. He doesn't no, even want to do that. No, we got we got offered so much uh, money to do a reunion with um, Fleetwood Mac down in Australia. Oh, and I could just to do uh, two shows down at a festival with Fleetwood Mac and uh, the Babies. 
Yeah. And John White refused to do that. And, really? Uh, and I just don't understand that. I mean, I've done, I've done, you know, 200 of these interviews, and it, that's a common thread. There's a guy that, you know, just doesn't want to do it. But I don't understand. If, we're not talking permanence here. We're talking, you know, a couple of shows that's going to line everyone's pockets really, really nicely. And if if there's no bad blood, why not just do it for a couple of days, you know? Yeah. A trip out to Australia. Yeah, and it, to me, it wasn't about lining the pockets. That was a bonus. Sure. It was about putting the original band back together and uh, having a great time for a couple of days. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, and but Rod, like, uh, Rod Stewart's having uh, trouble. Well, he keeps threatening to put the faces back together, you know, and uh, uh-huh. he's doing the same thing, so... <laughs> But at least he's trying, you know, but no, John's never going to ever, he wrote me an email, said, uh, Tony, uh, give up, and never, ever, ever going to be part of the babies again, and yet yet he needs Head First and songs like that in his set, Yeah, and he still to this day sings uh, Every Time I Think of You, and and so I, I don't get it. And, that is uh, really weird. Yeah. I'm so yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not uh, one for those to complain or anything, but I I, w- I wish uh, that uh, in some way it would sound more like the babies, but it doesn't. Yeah. You know, yeah. I understand. Of it. Yeah, and he can still sing. I I saw him in concert for the first time maybe two or three years ago here at a casino outside of Denver. Um, he sounded great. And oh yeah, he's a great singer. You know, sure, it's all still there. And whatever you said about him, and he, you can't take his voice away. No, that's why, no. That's why it was it was really difficult for me to um, put the babies back together again and and find a singer that's going to be equal, at least equal, John. Yeah. And then and create that soulful thing that we had with the babies, you know. Yeah. And um and we managed it. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, this yeah. this new band is wonderful. It's where it's kind of where we would be now if John was still in the band. Good. Now we've got the singer called John Basaha. Yeah. Who is uh absolutely wonderful and um Yeah. He's playing bass. And of course, you know, we have Wally and um Sure. Yeah, it's uh it, it feels really great to have the band back together, Good. you know. I'm glad. You guys um, deserve it. You were here in Denver a couple of years ago playing with Lita Ford, and I was going to go, and I can't remember what happened, but I couldn't go at the last minute. So I'm hoping the next time, I hope you guys come back to Denver here soon so I can oh, finally yeah, see the babies. We, we, we've just, uh, we, we just signed a new management, a new agency, and uh, and we're putting a uh, brand new tour together right now sure. and also sure. we've re-recorded uh, some of the old uh, the old hits the way we're doing them now they're not much different but they obviously have a new singer and um yeah. and the babies are different and uh, it's and we're, we we were redone them as we feel feel them today and yeah. uh, sure. they've 
they've still got that baby's edge, and it, yeah. it's real, real good. Good. I'm really proud of them. So we've got two new albums that are going to come out together. Great. And, That's and, huge. Uh, we're putting that tour together now, so I hope you come and see us in Denver. That'd be wonderful. I would love it. And we should say for anyone who doesn't know, about five years ago, you did put out a new album called "I'll Have Some of That." That's all yeah. new material, right? With yeah. the new band. Yeah, I got. I was lucky enough to produce that too. Yeah. And, you know, obviously, I'd love to tell you some of the Rod Stewart stories if you want to go back there. But, <laughs> uh, you know. Uh, yeah. But uh, after after Rod, um, I went to Australia to play with to play with Jimmy Barnes. I know. I'm a huge Jimmy Barnes fan, and so I've got oh, a lot of Jimmy Barnes questions for you here in a minute too. He's my He's my brother. We, is I was, he? I love him. I was with, One of the greatest voice. I mean, you and voices. I mean, John Waite, Rod Stewart, and Jimmy Barnes are three of the greatest rock voices in history, and you have been tied to all three. That's yeah. kind of a miracle. I know. I'm a I'm a lucky boy. Yeah. And uh, uh, Jimmy and I, you know, we had. Um, I was lucky enough to be on like that. We were with him for seven years, and we had seven hit albums in a row. Yeah. And uh, down there with him, and uh, he was just so good to me. And um, Now, how did that happen? Now, well, okay, how, tell me how that happened, and then Freight Train Heart is one of my favorite albums ever. So I got some questions about that. But how did oh, you get selected to play with Jimmy Barnes? Yeah, well, uh, um uh, basically, I got asked to, uh, Jonathan Cain, uh, was producing Freight Train Heart. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, John, Jonathan and, uh, they, they were using Mick Fleetwood on drums at the time. Really? Yeah. No way. On, uh, on, uh, the couple of the tracks. And, um, I, it, it, I ended up, uh, redoing everything not because it was it was bad or anything it was just that uh, I don't know something with Jimmy and I when I went up there the first song I played was Freight Train Heart mm. and um, he just flipped and um, he wouldn't let me go ever since so <laughs> you know, great. I, appreciate, I appreciate him and we've um, we've done some very silly things together but had great fun good and, now, um, I have a question so, for you. And so that's how I got to go with him. And okay. Of course, 
every tour, he'd invite me down to go, go, go to Australia. That's great. Take um, my kids. Now, yeah. I have a question for you because um, I've, something I've always wondered, and you may not even know what I'm talking about. It's a really nerdy question. But uh, one of my favorite songs off Freight Train Hard is Too Much Ain't Enough Love, which yeah. you co-wrote. Uh-huh. And I have always wondered, and hopefully you know what I'm talking about, maybe you don't. When that song starts, it sounds just like the song Human by the Human League. familiar with this song, do you know that they sound almost identical as if one is copying the other, at least for the first few bars, and then no. yours, you didn't know that? Okay. No. I'll have to, I will send you, I'll, I'll email you uh, like links to both songs on YouTube or something, and you'll see they both start out the exact same way, and then yours goes, because I think yours came out afterwards, so yours goes off into a different direction, but uh, wow. I've always wondered why that was. Like, if one was sampling, if you guys were sampling them, even. It's so no, okay. not at all. Because okay. we, had, we had Randy Jack, we had Randy Jackson on bass, yeah. and Neil Sean on guitar, and myself, and uh, obviously Jonathan Kane. Yeah. And uh, we were we were playing with Jimmy, and um, we were in rehearsal, and we that's how it came around. They just wow. we started playing it and put all putting it together, you know, and yeah. throwing in ideas together, and it, that's that's how it came around. Huh. And, um, it sounds it, the effect that I'm talking about sounds almost more like a production, like a like a studio creation, not necessarily yeah. instruments. Something someone is playing in the moment, but I'll send you a link, and you can tell me if you think I'm crazy that these 
the beginnings of both these songs sound exactly the same. I but think I've always been curious. Song you're talking about, but that would, if uh, that we uh, definitely weren't in, uh, copying anybody. It, it oh, was I just, it, right. it was uh, it was one of those songs that uh, they were written like Maggie May was, you know, yeah. in ten minutes on the back of a cigarette <laughs> packet. You know, cool. It, it was just natural. Yeah. Yeah. You know, sometimes sometimes the harder you have to work on a track, the, the uh, it means you shouldn't be doing it. Very true. Yeah, yeah. Now, you did know. he? You know, Jimmy's kind of moment, I guess, in the states didn't last as long as it probably should have. You know, um, he. Tobias, he's well respected, though. Oh yeah, he is. Well, and he's Every, still, you know, he's I like royalty that, back in Australia. Yeah, I haven't I haven't run into any musician that doesn't know of Jimmy Barnes or respect him, whether yeah. he's followed or not. But he can still he can still fill a three to five thousand seater, you know. So yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, well, he, I don't. Does he come to the states very often? Yes. Yeah. Really, I've never yeah, seen him. I've never even known that he's been here. I would go yeah. see him in a second. He's got his son uh, playing drums. Okay. Uh, Jackie, he's got his son playing drums. Who I taught, to, I gave, I taught to play drums. I left him a drum kit when I, okay. when I left Australia, and um, and uh, okay, you know, just it's um, and he's done all sorts uh, since. You know, he's so soulful, and uh, of course, you know, I got to co-produce uh, my fa- all-time favorite album of that that I've ever done. Uh, Soul Deep, which was where we did all the, um, yeah. we, I did, uh, every drum track is the first take. Really? Yeah. It's the first take and I did it in his front room while the road crew were playing pool around me. No way. Yeah. Really? And, uh, it was wonderful. And, uh, and I got to co-produce that with Don Damon. Yes. And, uh, um, tell, was, now, uh, Tony, we're going to be playing little snippets. We're going to insert little snippets of the songs and stuff that we talk about on here. Tell sure. us a song off that album that you are especially proud of, because I want to play a little bit of it right here for people to hear. Uh, there's too many, but maybe something's wrong with my baby. Wrong with me. 
I use three drum kits on that. Really? Yeah, they, it gets steps up. I played the, uh, and they're all first takes, but I did, I had a plan to lay the first drum kit down, and then there's a big huge drum fill at the end, which I put another drum kit on top of the other drum kit, and then at the very end is the final outro is, uh, the third, third drum kit with different percussion parts. No way. <laughs> and, uh, it, there's some stuff on there that I'm really proud of, and the Good. and the groove and the pocket. I just remember, I remember just having that great feeling, yeah, of of being proud, you know. And, sure. Um, and that's that's how you get paid back. Yeah. Uh, in this business is by finally finally getting to think, you know, if you basically if you don't improve, I want I'm going to stop, you know. I figure mm-hmm. that. If I keep trying to get better, I will. And, and uh, but if I don't get any better, then I'll then I'll stop. But uh, yeah, okay. You know, um, I also wanted to ask you about the Two Fires album. I love that album too, and you wrote some songs on there. Yeah. Um, now I don't know if that song, if that album was as successful as Freight Train Heart. I don't think that it was, but it was kind of the same group of people coming back together to make it. You know, a second do it a second yeah. time was the vibe and the energy still as high and as fun for that one uh it was in yeah it, in australia definitely okay you know um we we toured on that on that album and, and people uh loved it just as much i didn't see any lack of reaction from it oh good okay i don't i don't know what the sales figures were i mean you you might be right, but I don't. I, I don't know. I'm just going by what I remember at the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And it, you wrote a bunch of songs on that one too. Is there a song on there that you like? We want. I want to play a little bit of it in here. Uh, and now pick one. Yeah. Hardline. Hardline's a great track, and you play on that. Or yeah, yeah, you co-wrote that, I mean. Yeah, sure. Okay. And okay. Um, that <laughs> that came out of my studio. That was fun. Jimmy was just a joy to be with, me. and um, I I just have nothing but fun memories. Good. And uh, you know, he's were a you guys man. ever sober the whole time? Because doesn't he have a? Isn't he kind of infamous for just? Drinking like crazy, but not being like a bad drunk, just like a 
just drinking a lot? I don't know for sure. Were those good days yeah, or no, bad days? Not not anymore. Oh, okay. I mean, basically with, um, you know, with Rod Stewart and, um, and Jimmy, if you didn't drink or if you, you know, you weren't one of the boys, basically, so. Okay. You know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was a, a lot of drinking going on. We would, so you know, with, with Rod Stewart, we would put we would put uh, tuna fish in his mic. Oh, really? Oh yeah. no, that's horrible. We put we put a bit. We we were in the studio for about nine months, and uh, and we had our own pub, you know, in in the uh, studio. And, no way. Yeah, and that's when uh, we had uh, we were playing with Jeff Beck at the time and everything, and when. In fact, it was Robin the Missouri that we put the, he put the uh, tuner in his mic, and uh, and he was in this in this uh, vocal booth, oh. and every every day every day he would go in there and he goes, and you could see him smelling, you know, going, <laughs> and he goes, you know, and then he'd say, we'd be in the control room, and he go, you know what, he said, there's something wrong in here. It, he said every day it's getting worse. What what is it? <laughs> and then we say, well, we had it clean this morning, especially for you. What's going on? <laughs> and this went this went on for at least seven, eight days. You know, <laughs> at the eighth day, we're, uh, we're, the band's just on the floor laughing, <laughs> and because uh, uh, we couldn't even we go in there and couldn't even stand it anymore because we'd walk in and go, I don't smell anything. <laughs> What's wrong with you? You know, oh, it's the best. Yes. I know, I know, and you know, we we also told Rod there was a a microphone. You know, you know, in the old days, it was when you wanted to talk to the band, you you'd press a red button from the control room, and the microphone would actually be in the board, mm. and you would pick up the whole room. Uh huh. We told Rod that he had to talk into this little button. To, for anybody to hear him, so if we saw him not talking into the button, we'd say, what? <laughs> you know, what do you say? Oh, that's and great. So, and so every every time he every time we'd make it, he'd talk to, to us or whatever, we'd make him, talk into the button. So he did. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Oh, but, that's so good. Yeah, Jimmy, <laughs> things like Jimmy Arvin, we, tried, we got fishing rod out and tried to get his... Uh, Tried to get his hat off, but because he would always wear that hat and never, uh, yeah. we never knew what was under it. Right. So, when did you work with Jimmy Iovine? Oh, he he uh, he was in producing Rod for uh, a little while, but he couldn't handle us. We were uh, we were two walkers for him. Got it. Okay. You know, but Jimmy Iovine's a great producer. He puts the right people together. But yeah, uh, we were too rowdy. Okay. And, uh, you know. Huh. Interesting. We, we need we needed someone with a uh a, a leather belt to keep us in. Control. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, we were we were bad boys, you know. Yeah, we well, to, well, I bet. Sounds we like used though. to um in fact uh Rob was doing a uh interview uh up in his uh suite. It was I forget I forget who he was with, um I was with, with a real, real big, uh, ma- a major uh, interviewer, um, Dick Clark. Okay. Oh, wow! Yeah, and um, 
we got we brought in some chickens and some ducks and all sorts of things from <laughs> from through the uh uh through the kitchen you know and then um burst in and let him loose while he was doing the interview and they had cameras on him and uh all you could hear was the two of them jumping on the uh, sofa going, ooh, 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 until, you know. <laughs> of course oh, that's great. And, uh, all, all you could see afterwards was feathers and shit everywhere. So, <laughs> Excuse my French. That's okay. No biggie. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's so good. But, that, you know, there's a... There's a lot more of those, but the, you, you, you can see where we, where our frame of mind was at. Sure, sure. But you, got, you have to keep, you have to have some fun on the road, otherwise. Absolutely, yeah. So crazy, you know. It's a, it's not, it's not all roses that everybody thinks it is. So, yeah, you have to have some fun. I believe it. Um, now, I'm, I've always been curious about something. You took over for Carmine yeah. in those days with Rod, um, but yet Carmine has like a writing credit on a lot of the subsequent hits, like Young Turks and Baby uh, Passion. I can't remember if he co-wrote Baby Jane. I don't remember, but um, no, that he was, didn't. Uh, okay. No, that, that was Jay Davis, who we talked about. That's earlier. right. That's right. And, that uh, I, uh, uh, Rod, Rod didn't see the the hit in Baby Jane, and um, I had to I had to take that song to uh, Rod three times to get him to see how, what a great song it was. Oh, I love that song. Me too, and yeah. um, even though I didn't have anything to do with writing it, Jay and I were in that writing mode at the time, and I heard it, and just, um, I don't want or not looking for any credit at whatsoever, but I just, I could see the potential in it, and um, yeah. and it, it it came alive, you know, and uh, yeah. that's a track I'm, play, I'm proud to have played on. Yeah. Well, now, that's what I was going to... Well, so, two things. Number one, it seems oh, I'm like... I'm sorry. Yeah, you went off about uh, Tom. No, that, this is, that's the kind of thing I want to know. Is Well, first of all, it seemed like uh, Carmine... Even though Carmine wasn't the drummer anymore, Rod still play, recorded songs that Carmine wrote. So, did they still... Did they have a falling out? Or was Carmine in there, too? Or how did that work? I'm just trying to get was, the timing down. It was a really difficult time for me. Uh, really? 
Well, well, because I already knew that you know, Carmine is Carmine, and uh, I, I I never say anything bad about anybody, and and so he's a wonderful drummer, and he's a good guy. So I'm not going to say anything, but he was if he's not getting along with everybody, he was he wasn't okay. fitting in as as well as he probably should have done, but that was not it. I think Rod was still had in his mind that he wanted to get, and he knew, he found out the baby split up. They were doing uh, Tonight I'm Yours album, and um, and uh, the Tonight I'm Yours and Young Turks were both a uh, drum machine. And so, and that's the, that's who Carmine uh, was putting, what he was putting together with Dwayne Hitchings at mm. the time. So, when I, uh, Rod asked me to come in, but um, Carmine, which I couldn't have done, um, stayed there. Mm. And, I, you know, I would talk to Carmine every day and I would apologize. Yeah. And but Carmine was totally fine with me playing all the, redoing his drum tracks and doing and Weird. doing the rest of the album. And I, but I couldn't understand it, and I didn't want to do that. And I kept saying, "Rod, this is not right." Yeah. You know. And he said, "But Carmine's fine with it." And I said, "Well, you know." He said, "And uh, I, I just didn't know what to do. I didn't want to give yeah. up the opportunity of playing with Rod when he didn't want Carmine to play anyway." Right. So. Wow, what a weird predicament to be in. Yeah. You've replaced the guy, but he's still sticking around. Carmine's never been upset with me about it, and we're we're dear friends, and so, um, huh? I uh, he knew. I think he knew, but he but he felt more on the side of um, I'm part of this album, and I just want to see it. I want to see it finished the way Rob wants it finished, and um, okay. And uh, you know, if if Tony suits the the, uh, the rhythm section better than I do on this album, I guess you know that's the way it should be. So yeah, and he was uh, gracious enough, I guess, uh, to let me let me do it. But it's still an odd feeling for me. But yeah. then, of course, Rob um, invited me to 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 join the band after that, and he definitely. He was not going to use Carmine in any way, shape, or form. So, mm. uh, what am I going to say? No. Different. That's weird. Weird so, situation. Okay. Yeah. But then I had uh, t- over almost 11 years with Rod. Uh, yeah. A great time, you know. Um, you know, some of his 80s albums get kind of a bad rap, but like Infatuation, I think it's such a great song.
but Jeff I love Beck. that song. I mean, that's Jeff Beck playing guitar. That's awesome. Yeah, I remember the video. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and you yeah, played on that. You're the you're the drummer on Infatuation, right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. And um, it was just good times. I mean, I remember. Yeah. And that was the first time I'd ever played with Jeff, and um, he was he was uh, asked to play a different lick on one of his songs, and um, he's so prolific that he couldn't uh, repeat what he just did. Um, he just played something different that was even better. Wow. And uh, it, it just blown away. I mean, he's an incredible player. Yeah. And, um, just to get chance, and then uh, he came on the road with us, and we did some shows together. And I got I got chance to play the pump and all those sort of things that Jeff's famous yeah. for. Yeah. And uh, um, it, it was just um, it, um, just great, uh, great memories. Good. You know. Good. Now, one more Rod album I want to ask you about. Uh, Out of Order, I love that album. And um, But I was actually, I didn't realize you played on that album until I got ready to talk to you because that album was produced by Bernard Edwards from Chic. Yeah. And he, I always assumed that Tony Thompson, also from Chic, was the drummer for that entire album. But he wasn't? You played on there too? Yeah. Tony Thompson played on one side and I played on the other. Really? So what yeah, did you play on? I was, I was, I, that's when I was uh, produced. I got chance to produce uh, Jimmy Barnes. Yeah. And that's where I knew I wanted to go because Rod was going the Vegas side of, uh, of music a little bit. Uh huh. And I knew he wanted to go that way, and um, I, the rest of the band was all. Uh, I was one of the original members still there, but most of the other players were just were becoming hired hands and backing players, and that's not for me, you know. I, yeah. I, I don't. I can't do that. It's not even to this day. If I get hired, I want to get hired for what I do, yeah. not to play what someone else wants. I want them to say, oh, you know. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I wanted on that on that track and and that's where you know you get your kicks from you know I don't yeah I mean I I, I don't mind suggestions obviously you got to take suggestions but um I it's like um you wouldn't hire like talking about Jeff Beck to right. play to play like Paul Kossoff because he's not Paul Kossoff so yeah you know. Yeah. Huh. I, have, I have my style, and it's not that I can't sure. play any other style. I just have that John Bonham thing in me, and I, yeah. I can't let go of it, you know. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so tell me a song on Out of Order that you played on that you're particularly proud of. Because there were some hits off that album. There were like four or five of them. Um, I mean, are you on, like, Lost in You and Forever Young and Crazy About Her? Well, for yeah, I'm on. For every young as me.
song is great. Yeah, that's that's that that's me. I'm very, I'm proud of that one. Uh, the uh, I'm not. That wasn't on Out of Order though. That was on, a, on an earlier album. No, Forever Young is on uh, Out of Order. It is. Yeah, the video of him in the back of the truck with his little boy. Kind of more of like a folky ballad or yeah, something. Yeah, I think I no, yeah, I know the um, yeah, the, uh, the video, but I thought that was from an earlier album. Oh, I don't out know. of order. Okay, it's okay. There's my heart can't tell you no. That was a hit off that album. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Now, Forever Young is if if if, uh, if that's if that is on that album, I must be got must be getting old. <laughs> <laughs> that's such a good song. Yeah. Well, good. Yeah, okay. Love that track. Yes. Good. Now, why did it come to an end with Rod then? And I guess it would have come to an end right around the time when he married Rachel Hunter. And things, I don't yeah. know. Did What brought, yeah, so what brought it, it to an end? Around the same time, about 91, um, I got I got a chance to go to be either to stay with Rod or go with, uh, go with Jimmy Barnes and start producing, which I felt like it was time for me to uh, stretch mm. out a little bit, you know. Okay. And luckily, and I love Jimmy's vocals, and um, and we became, like I said, brothers, and we, um, yeah. um, it, I was sorry to leave Rod, but at the same time, um, uh, okay. I knew where Rod was headed, and um, yeah, and. And uh, I didn't didn't want to go that way. And, yeah, and, uh, makes sense. Okay. Know, I, I, I wanted to, to stay part of the band with Rod, and uh, he was uh, doing this thing where he wanted to, it would be all Rod Stewart, which it really always was. I mean, I'm not. Yeah. But we were a group and a band. We did everything together. We went to restaurants after every show mm-hmm. together, and. Mm-hmm. We were a real unit as of friends and and um and we we would sing together you know after, yeah. after the shows at at restaurants and it it was just a camaraderie that you can't replace yeah good and once, okay. uh, as band members started leaving, it wasn't the same, so yeah you, you know yeah, we all know we can't keep the you know keep the same thing going on and uh, sure okay i didn't realize you left um now i want to ask you about one other credit of yours eddie money or you're playing on the no control album yes how did uh, that happen I, and why did, did it only happen for one eddie album money, um, developed, uh, I, I stayed in for about five months i guess and um uh that that was in between whilst the babies uh, broke up and I was trying yeah I was trying to put uh, the babies back together again with the new singer but I realised it was not not the time to do it and um, and Eddie Money asked me to come up to San Francisco and, and play and I did and stayed with him for about five months and huh. Played on the No Control album and uh, it was all good and fun. Good. Um, What's he like? He seems like he would be a real loose cannon, you know. Yeah, he he, he was always really sweet with me, and I never saw him get angry. But you, I wouldn't want to cross the man. 
his, his father was a policeman. And, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, again, we had some good times. It's just that uh, that's when uh, that's when uh, Rod asked me to join. So, okay. uh, you know, seems like a better deal. Yeah. And you're playing on Shaken, right? That was a big hit off that album. You're on there. together not just the band that you were in but all the songs that you played on and stuff i mean there are some of the greatest rock and roll tracks of like from like 76 to 91 ever and you play on a lot of these yeah and well i guess you know just a just a lucky boy i guess you You are really lucky i just you know i don't i i I just gotta Somehow, sometimes I think back and I go, well, you know, wow, I, you know, is that really me? You know, I uh, wish I'd done this and I wish I'd done that, you know. And, but um, when I add it all up, it, um, I, you know, I feel yeah. good about it. But I, good. I like to keep, i got to keep my feet on the ground. and uh, Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm I'm proud of what I've done, but now, now it's time with the babies weren't finished. Yeah, and uh, we're still not done, and we're we're out there now pushing. Well, you know, as I say, we're changing management, and um, good. And uh, I, I really hope you get a chance to come see us because I'm me too. I'm proud, I'm proud of the way the band sounds now. Good. And you're able to play often enough and everything to sustain a lifestyle that you're comfortable with these days. I mean, that's your primary source of income we talk about the business side on here a little bit and uh i'm guessing you know no offense i don't unfortunately as great as the babies were i don't feel like they have you know a perennial hit that gets played you know on the radio all the time like a whole hotel california or something but you are able to tour enough to maintain a living yeah well you know one thing um we're proud of is that the the quality of the songs were always uh, to a standard where they they hold up to this day. Right? Yeah. And um, so 
they are played every day. They're just not um, regular rotation. If you go to England or you go to Australia or anywhere, I mean, isn't it time every time I think of you, head first, midnight rendezvous? Yeah. Um, all those tracks are, are still played every day on the radio. Good, good. Okay. And um, so hopefully next year we're going to get a chance to go out and do a bit more in Europe and uh, and uh, uh, in other countries. That'd be wonderful. Great, but, great. Um, yeah, no, I'm still I'm I'm producing bands. Um, I've uh, I've moved to Atlanta, so that's a brand new move for me. Oh, how long have you been there? I've been here about nine months now, and uh, oh. so why? What what provoked you to move to Atlanta? Um, mainly my my wife is from Atlanta, and she hmm. uh, her her mother is getting up there in age, and hmm. um. And she's she's well. Fortunately, there's nothing uh, wrong with her. It's just that I promised that I would uh, yeah. she would spend some time with her. You know, she spent uh, my wife spent ten years with me in Los Angeles, and and I and it was time for me just to, to try a new try and put a, a new studio together in in um, Atlanta. So okay. Atlanta's sort of becoming the new Nashville a little bit. Yeah, it is. Tax break and um, there's lots of movies coming in. I'm and um, uh, oh, uh, doing some a uh, couple of uh, movie, movie tracks and and um, just you know trying to stay at home a little more, but still produce. Yeah. I'm writing songs. I'm I'm in writing mode right now. And I, I can't, I can't stop that. And you know, good, that, good for you. When that comes on, you just got to let go, you know. And do yeah, it. yeah. Okay, awesome. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm just writing. I'm still producing, and um, I'm building. I'm, I'm halfway through building a new studio. Um, and of course, they're going out, and we're doing baby shows. And uh, good. Yeah. September, we go out on our new tour. So. Excellent. You know, there's um, not not a lack of things to do. That's for sure. Good, good for you, man. That is great. You deserve it. Um, yeah. okay, okay, one last question for you, and this might be this might wanna, be touchy. I don't know. I want to ask you a question. Yeah, to ask me. How, how, how about uh, how long have you been, you've been uh, on doing the pod shows and and um, how how did you know about how do you you have such great questions. You've obviously oh, done your homework. You. Thank and you. I, and I that I that I have to, uh, um, I really you know I really appreciate it because sometimes you just uh, people don't know. Yeah. What they're talking about, and um, that's they're the hardest interviews. And I I, I just want to tell you I love talking to you. And, oh, thank you, Tony. You know, that means so much. Thank and, you. Uh, so. Uh, how did how did you get going? Yeah, I well, I'm just a regular guy. I don't have a background in music or anything. I'm a music lover, and I used to be a journalist back when you know newspapers were more of a thing and everything. But I really love music, and a few years ago, I just started getting really obsessed with the with this question of how do people pay their bills over the long haul? You know, yeah. if you yeah. had a hit in 1978 how do you make it last 
You don't. How do you? Well, that's what I'm wanting. You know, that's what I'm trying to find out. Yeah. Thought, well, that's the that's the hardest thing in the music business is collecting your money because uh, I don't know many musicians, and I'm not one of them, who are uh, business types, and I, I'm just on the creative side, and to right. try to try and collect your money and be a cre- creative. Uh, entity is is uh, so hard. Yeah, you know, especially. And, I mean, I'm like you. I'm more of a creative person too. But I talk to people, a lot of people like you, and they, you know, we don't have minds for business necessarily. We're the creative no. people, you know, and I've, so I've it's lost, hard to do both. Really I've hard. Lost, I've lost so much money by not, you know, watching where it's supposed to be coming from, and. Um, yeah. People ripping me off left, right, and center. Everybody, every musician will tell you the same story, but, um, um, you know, businessmen take advantage of the of people that create music, and, yeah. um, unfortunately, we don't have any record stores anymore. Yeah. Oh, it's so uh, tragic. And, I know. uh, I, I really miss that, and, uh, especially we got, uh, I don't know if you know this, but we played actually on top of uh, Tower Records. Uh, you yeah, did? Sunset. The one on Sunset Strip? Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah, we climbed up there and we had our roadies put the equipment on top and oh, then we, nice. played, we played on top of Tower Records with our uh, with our billboard uh, on the other side of the street down the road a little piece. So. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Those are the days. Yeah, you so, know? Yeah. And so... Yeah. So yeah, I mean, you must uh, you must do a lot of homework on everybody that you you go to interview. Or, I or... do, yeah. I um, well, I've been doing this for about three and a half years, and I I mean, I re- it's it's not that hard because I mostly just reach out to people I really like, and I and those who I think might have an interesting story, you know. And I think to my and my I think my feeling is, I know a lot about music. But I don't know Tony Brock's story, but I know there's interesting pieces of his story, like Jimmy Barnes, like Just One of the Guys, like Rod Stewart, that are interesting to me. Let's yeah. see if Tony Brock has an interesting story, and we can help. I can help him tell it, you know? So well, that's what I try to do. I appreciate it. Sure. I appreciate you. Thank you for saying that. Well, um, yeah. I did want to ask you, though, about bad English. <laughs> I hope that's not a, a touchy subject, but if no, so no. many of the guys get together to do bad English, what, did they not invite you, or was that a totally separate thing? How did yeah, you feel no, when that happened? No, I just think that was a that was a rotten trick. They didn't ask me at all. <laughs> <laughs> and you're, I mean, you would have been a perfect drummer for bad English. Yeah, I, I, I probably would have been, but uh, I think... Um, I don't know. Actually, I don't know. It's a good question. I've, um, <laughs> they they obviously just wanted to do something new and different. I guess and, so. Uh, yeah. And um, I don't know if I would have fitted in or not. Um, yeah. I don't uh, think um, I don't think John Wayne uh, was uh, he was perfect for the band, and the band was great together. As musicians, but I, I can't see them getting along in terms of uh, personalities. Really? 
Well, it did. Yeah. All, I mean, it lasted two albums, but that second one barely came out, and I don't yeah. think they even toured on it. So it was really short-lived. Yeah, I, did, I don't. That's why I, I don't think. Um, I'm so almost glad that I wasn't part of it. I don't think. Yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not one for enjoying um, people uh, having uh, very large egos. Yeah. Okay. And uh, and and um, you know, unfortunately, I have to mention names just to get the point across that I did play with these people, and and that even that gets to me that I'm bringing up the famous people all the time. But I did get to do it, and that's the only way other people get to know what I did. But yeah. you know, uh, Neil Sean can't help but tell you every five minutes how great he is. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've heard I, that. I, I still love it. I love him to sure. death. I'm sorry, sure. Sean. <laughs> no, that doesn't. I don't think that surprises. He knows. Uh, he knows yeah. he's. Uh, he he knows he likes to talk about himself. So. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay, that doesn't surprise me. Well, good. Okay, I didn't know. I didn't know if you, you know, harbored some ill feelings about all that. You know, oh, I got to No, not not at all. No, I was okay. never part of it, and. Um, at that time, I was already uh, moving on anyway. Yeah. You know, I was thinking and talking with you and learning about kind of the the personality, you know, John Wade's personality and kind of where he stands in terms of reuniting with the ba- babies even a little bit. I have to wonder when something like that happens, when someone can be that defiant about it, and I like John Wade. I don't mean this as criticism at all, but because missing you – is such was such a huge song that still I would imagine generates decent money for him to this day. Yeah. I wonder if that that financial freedom gives him the it empowers him to be very selective about what he does. I was Whereas so. if that, if that wasn't the case, then heck yeah, you know, a big offer to rejoin my buddies and the babies down in. Australia sounds great, but he probably doesn't need the money because Missing You was so successful, you know? Yeah. No, and plus, uh, look how many people have covered it, you know? Yeah. Rod Stewart, everybody's covered that trap song. So I can't imagine what the world, you know, what we call mailbox money coming in must be, must be incredible. Yeah. And still to this day must be making money from it. Well, Hope he is for his sake, and I'm sure he is because yeah. he's one of the he's one of the only few that I know that's really good with the money side of it. Good. Okay. And, good. Um, I know he uh, I know he's collecting every penny that he can. Yeah. Well, good. And, uh, and I wish I was a bit more like that, you know. But um, well, we all do, actually. I mean, it would be nice, but at least you're out there touring. The babies are back together. You got new material to work on. Uh, there's demand for the band. That is that's so great because you deserve that, Tony. Well, oh, thank you, buddy. Well, sure. you know, it's just is we've got you know, like I said, we got John Basaha singing now, and I got uh, Joey Sykes playing guitar, and uh, of course Wally Stocker in the band, and um, and uh, we have Holly who's uh, 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 part of the Baybets. Uh, oh, Elisa, nice. Elisa, who's, uh, and Holly's, uh, John's wife. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. 
So good. Okay. Yeah, that, that saves on two rooms, doesn't it? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no money. Oh, uh, perfect. <laughs> well, it does. Uh, well, okay. That in, you know. Yeah, that's perfect. Okay, <laughs> last question. I got one more question for you. Tell me what what your favorite rock and roll memory is. When you, I mean, you've been at this for 45 years, if not longer. When you look back, tell me what just your favorite the best the best story the funniest story the scariest story whatever it might be tell us just what that tastiest memory is oof there's uh too many of them for one i believe it and half of those i can't tell you <laughs> i thought so yeah, there's there's one story that that just kills everybody like i you know I, I can't give you, but um, okay. as far as fun, uh, one uh, one of the things growing up in in England um, is if you ever get a chance to play Wembley Stadium, it'd be like mm. playing Carnegie Hall for you guys or playing um, uh, uh, Madison Square. You know, yeah. Uh, I played Wembley Stadium and we had the. Scottish Pipers come on stage and was pouring down the rain and we did uh, a, a song with Rod called uh, um, Every Beat in My Heart yeah and which Great I uh, I'm proud of the really proud of the drumming on that one good and, um, and and it's pouring down the rain and the Pipers come on stage and I'm playing Wembley Stadium and my brother's in the audience, and there's 90,000 people going crazy. And I had a tear in my eyes, and, you know, I finally made it, even though I didn't I didn't know I was going to go even further. But that mm-hmm. was that was a wonderful memory. Um, Good. Uh, of course, playing with uh, Ronnie Wood in, in the studio with Rod Stewart was incredible. Playing with Jeff Beck's incredible. There's lots of really good memories, but there's, but it's it's not all been, you know, it's tough to get in between in between all these great times. I've paid my dues at least four or five times to get, yeah, but, you know, yeah, and uh, and um, it's not like I feel like I've earned it. I, you don't. You just, uh, I've, I, I feel very, very lucky. But good. Um, I've I've worked really hard for it, and um, and Good. you know, uh, as everybody says, uh, you know, the financial side of it. And as you asked, it could could have been better, still can be better. Sure. But, uh, you, I can't replace those memories, you know. Yeah. Well, and, at least you're doing it, and you're able to pay, you know, your bills and yeah. make a living doing what you do best. Yeah. And it's this day and age, that's what it's all about. One quick story. I was, yeah. We, we played. Uh, I'm still in the Guinness Book of Records playing uh, to half a million people with Rod Stewart and Rock and Rio. You are really? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we we still to this day play to the most people ever. And um, of course that that record's going to be beat. Uh, yeah. But, um, uh, but Good for you. I, I remember playing. I, I've done. I've done a drum solo on every every band I've ever been in, and um, and 
I was uh, doing my drum solo in uh, in Rock and Rio, and of course that all those guys that in Rio they're brought up to be percussionists and hit things and cans and buckets and all sorts of things and and each other, and you know, and uh, I'm I'm playing my drum solo and I can hear this noise like it's, and it's getting louder and louder and louder. And I could barely see the first 50 rows. And yet, you know, they put the lights on and there's just a sea of people. And they're all hitting something and playing the solo with me. So I stopped. Oh, really? I got off my, I got off my drum kit and got out, walked out at the front of the stage and let them play together. No way. It was just, uh, you know, and it was on, I woke up to it and I had the television on and it was the uh, it was on the news the first thing in the morning. Whoa. Uh, and it came on the news there you know there was I was doing my drum solo and then the sea of people were all, all playing with me and and that was the opening for the news that morning. So that you know I, That's amazing. I know. I got I, I you know I've got I've got all those things to hold on to. Good. In the, you know, yeah, and and one thing, the best thing, I, the most thing I'm really proud of is being a good dad. Good, so, good answer, man. Good for you. How many kids do you have? I have two boys. Good. And uh, they're they're um, out of everything. You know, when they were born, that was the best thing I've ever. It, the most powerful thing you can ever do in your life is have children, and uh, yeah. And enjoy them so uh you know good for you yeah it's perfect perfect yeah what about you well thank you are you oh. uh are you married and i am yeah i've been married for 15 16 years something like that we've got three little kids my daughter is 11 today was her first day of middle school so it was a little Ooh, ouch yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, then I have a nine-year-old son and a six-year-old son. Cool. Yeah. So we're in the thick of it. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Good well, yeah. to see you, buddy. Well, thank you, Tony, for doing this with me. I think you're great. And it's a real honor to talk with you. I've been curious about you for 30 years. Well, so thank, thank you, you for doing it. Oh, any anytime. It's been a pleasure. Like I, I said, anybody that um, uh, is taking their time to uh, get the information and, and ask some great questions, uh, I, I love. And um, Well, good. You've, you've been exceptional, and thank you very much. Thank you. There you have it, Tony Brock. Wasn't he nice? You know, I had never heard another interview with him but when we did this interview a few weeks ago. But since then, I've learned that he was on Rock Solid and Growing Up Rock. And so... Uh, I didn't know that. And so he's very been very gracious with his time in terms of podcasting, and I'm really grateful for that. So hopefully you guys heard some things here, if you've heard those other interviews, that just add to the story. Also, he wasn't lying. That um, that moment with Rod Stewart is incredible, and it's on YouTube. Get on there and, fi- and look up Rod Stewart, Rockin' Rio 85. And if you want to find the part he's talking about, fast forward to around the 48-minute mark, and you will just see Tony go bananas on the drums. And that moment is as cool as he describes. Absolutely. 
Also, we have a very special, if everything goes according to plan, we have a very special uh, bonus episode coming up for you in a few days. I uh, This is Monday night, at the time I'm recording this. Tuesday evening, I am interviewing Joyce, Har- Joyce Heiser, star of Just One of the Guys. That's if everything goes according to plan. Now, I would love to talk to more actors and actresses on here. I don't do it because I'm trying to kind of keep this as just a music podcast. I would love to maybe start a second one for that kind of thing, but there just isn't enough time. I'm making an exception here because I love that movie. I love her. I've always wanted to talk to her, and it makes sense to do it in this week. So that, if everything goes according to plan, will be out this Friday, hopefully, okay? Look out for that. Also, we didn't play near enough Jimmy Barnes in this episode. I love Jimmy, and I meant what I said. Freight Train Heart is one of my favorite albums ever, let alone of the 80s. This is the first track off that album, Driving Wheels. Check this album out. It comes with my highest recommendation. It is so good. Nobody sings like Jimmy. Uh, And you guys know the deal by now. You can find us on Facebook and like our page. You can send us a message on there. You can send us an email at thehustlepod at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Twitter at The Hustle Pod. Uh, I normally say you can send us requests. I'm actually not really taking any requests at the moment because I have a ton of my own stuff going on. You're welcome to send me names. I just can't promise that I'll get to them very quickly. And I'll explain why uh, I'm so busy, possibly in a later episode. Okay? And as always, a huge thanks to Yan the Man Makevich, my right-hand man, for all that you do. Thanks, buddy. Uh, next week, a quick little teaser. It is the front man for a 90s band that, I'll just be honest, experienced one of the worst sophomore, software, software, sophomore slumps in history. And uh, we talk all about it. So I hope you guys will come back next week and check that out. Okay? We'll talk to you later. Love you all. <laughs>